the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And... All right, so welcome back to one more episode of Sake On Air, the world's one and only podcast dedicated to expanding the dialogue around Japan's iconic beverages of sake and shochu, brought to you with the fantastic support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and broadcast under normal circumstances from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center in the heart of Tokyo. This week, I am Justin Potts, as always, and tuning in with my other regular hosts here on the show, I've got Mr. Chris Hughes with me. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm well, thank you, Justin. Uh, just slowly easing into a new year and uh, secretly hoping that perhaps it's a little bit better than the last one. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone's uh, not so secretly hoping <laughs> for, for, a similar, for a similar output from 2021. And together, we also have Mr. Sebastian Lemoine. Sebastian, how Hello, are you? Hello, Justin. And you are joining us early in the early in the morning from the other side of the globe. Yeah, I, I took the risk. <laughs> I hope I, I won't I won't be I won't end up being stuck here in, in France. So I'm I'm watching the news. Uh, hopefully, uh, the Japanese government will let me back in. Cross my fingers for that. Yeah. yeah. And who you heard there is our special guest for today. Hello. Hey, hello. Uh, we are joined today by Ms. Ayuko Yamaguchi, who is a, well, we'll turn it over to you, Ayuko-san, to kind of introduce yourself, but you are a sake educator, a sake program tourism leader, you are a writer, you are rather prolific. No, you are, <laughs> you are flattering me, but but yes, I'm so, so my name is Ayuko Yamaguchi and I work for the the sake tourism, which is now sadly a little bit down, but but still, I'm, I'm a sake educator as well for the WSET and um, I live in Kyoto, so I think that's why I'm here, right? That is exactly yeah, yeah. why you're here. One common request that we get, mm -hmm. as well as one topic that we've been meaning to get to here on the show, is dialing into a very specific region and looking at the nature of its sake, sort of in the context of the larger sake map, looking at it uh, both in a historical context, uh, as well as in a modern context. And uh, you cannot study about sake or research sake without hearing the name of Fushimi, which is located in Kyoto, which is where your home happens to be yeah, and where you have invested a good deal of energy and resources so. <laughs> to getting to know the region um, and the nature of its sake. Um, and so we are very excited to kind of do our first deep dive into a very specific region. Uh, here on the show, that being Fushimi, and that's why we're also very excited to have you okay. here on the Thank show. you for having me. Ayuko, actually, I have a first question for you. Where are you from? What is your personal relationship to Kyoto and Fushimi? Um, I would like to say that I'm a Kyotoite, but actually I'm 
um, not a Kyoto word because I was born in Sendai, which is, you know, I think you know, there by the Ichinokura of the word Uragasumi Sake. Um, so, uh, my family, all, uh, family and relations all belongs to the, the northeastern of Japan. So, I happened to be in Kyoto University when I was a very long time ago. And so, till then, I married here and I'm living here for, living in Kyoto for like, um, Oh my God, three decades or something like that already. So, so that's why I'm here. So I'm sorry, I'm not a Kyodoite. So no, if I tell you that I'm a Kyodoite, all the Kyodoite would be mad at me. Okay. But it means that you, you have some neutrality. You're looking at Fushimi with the, or you, the, you first look at Fushimi with the eyes of a foreigner. In a way, yeah. <laughs> so Ayako-san, what is it that, how, were you, into sake then when you first moved to Kyoto, when you started setting up your life there? Or was that something that came about as part of being in Kyoto? How did your relationship with sake develop? Oh, my relationship with sake started when I was in university. Um, so I was really into traveling. There were several friends um, who were my friends who were doing the backpacking in the university. First, inside, I mean the domestic travel, then outside, uh, eventually, as they as they or we, you know, uh, made much, uh, a little bit of money by part-time job or something like that. And so we went out everywhere. And when, when the summer vacation or winter vacation is, or any vacation is over, we would gather up and bring one alcoholic beverage, beet sake, beet wine, beet whiskey, sh- is, um, and showed you anything and tell a story about that. So it was a great occasion to get to know what kind of alcoholic beverage in Japan or in the world there are for us to explore. Um, so I was like 20 or 21 or something like that. That kind of the party or get together continued for like five years or six years or something like that. Um, so, um, eventually I got, um, very interested in the regional sake because like if you go to Shimane, if you go to, um, the, even in the northern, district of Kyoto, you have new sake um, that I don't know. So that eventually led me to be interested in sake. But actually, so that wasn't the, the first, you know, opportunity for me to go into the sake world. The, what what really, you know, um, was the, the occasion was that I passed the examination for the national tour guide and got certified as an English tour guide, um, which was like 10 years ago or something like that. Because I was very new to the the job, I wanted to be very um, um, specific or I wanted to be an expert on something. So I picked two topics. One is machia, you know, the, the, the traditional building. And the, the other topic was sake. Because I loved every uh, alcoholic beverage in the world, like I, I, <laughs> I, I always joke to my client that my name is Ayu. Ayu is a sweet fish, right? 
um, which is a summer speciality in Kyoto and, and the uh, Lake Biwa. And so my name is Ayu, uh, takes, a, takes the same sound as the fish, so I drink like a fish. <laughs> so, so um, it's very natural that the, my my interest came into sake. Um, I first started from the the kikizakeshi in Japanese, but soon I thought that you know it wouldn't be enough to explain something sake, sake something in the sake world to in English. So I took the international kikizakeshi. But I thought, oh, it isn't enough. So next thing I did was to to look for something that I can learn something from the from the person who is not in Japan. Um, so um, I happened to see Kampai, the movie by John Gardner, right? Is John Gardner and Philip Harper and then Nababijin Kurisan. Um so I was so impressed that on the day I saw the Kampai film, I wrote an email to John Gardner that I want to join your class. So I went to his class and really enjoyed. And there I made a lot of friends in the US or everywhere in the world. So then um John uh, suddenly wrote me an email that, would you want to write an article in the sake today? And so I said, yes, though I had zero experience on the writing the article. So from that, so I think that was to 2016, right? So um, I, as a kind of a very, fre- uh, very fresh on the job, I, I learned how to interview or uh, write an article and then you know, eventually I grew my interest on history and um, finding out about the brewery and the things. And so I learned a lot, uh, still I learn a lot from interviewing people and writing articles. And at the same time, I uh, enrolled into a WSCT class, which was, you know, my teacher, my sensei is Chris. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I so so I joined Chris's class in uh, which was held in Tokyo and then yeah. um I graduated from it and I became a so um uh WCT educator and then I'm teaching the sake course on WCT from last year. So that's Yeah, my... we 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 teach at the same school but oh, yeah. uh Ayako is located in. You do teach at the Osaka mm-hmm. uh, one, right? Though there's an, the the school has two actually a number of facilities across Japan, but um, one of them is in Osaka, and that's where Ayako is teaching. But we we have regular communication over email. Oh, and yes, yes, about yes. how make sure we're teaching the course in the same way, oh, things yes, like that. Yes. So then, well, I kind of want to jump into today's topic mm-hmm. a little bit about Fushimi, but kind of lead it leading into that. How how do you define Fushimi sake, or how do you define Fushimi as a region? What stands out? Okay, so um, first of all, um, if you come from um, outside Kyoto, you would think um, it, it is partly or uh, almost right to say that Fushimi is one of the eleven words in Kyoto city. It is a fact, right? But actually, Fushimi um. Kyoto has a totally different history. So we can say, or all the Fushimi people say, that Fushimi is um, kind of independent 
from Kyoto. They are not. They don't take themselves as Kyotoite. They take uh, they take themselves as Fushimi people. So Fushimi has a very different history from what Kyoto has experienced as an imperial capital. Um, more if the the Kyoto city is an imperial capital, which the history was made up by the aristocrats and the the in, in, um imperial family and all the merchant. Fushimi is the samurai town, mm-hmm. and with a with a Good water supply, which led to um, make the sake very great. So, with that in mind, that it actually is Fushimi is needs to be kind of taken in its own context. Oh yes, you know, in in relation to Kyoto, but you know, kind of taken on its own terms. That it's that it's that it is a place unique from that environment there. And so, yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to dig into that. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to hear about that. So let's so let's take it back a little bit mm-hmm. or or a long bit. Um, a very long, <laughs> a very long, very bit. long bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about um, Fushimi and sort of how this region came about um, being what it is today. So let's start from that the, the topography of Fushimi is Kyoto. You know, it's adjacent to Kyoto, and the, the Fushimi, the center of Fushimi, is just eight kilometers south of Kyoto, JR Kyoto Station. Um, so you know that Kyoto City is surrounded by three mountains on three sides, the Western Mountains and the Northern Mountains and the Eastern Mountains. We all say that the Kyoto City is like flying pan, you know, um, you have a lid, um, you um, at the handle, the handle is connected to Osaka by the plane, very vast plane, which was made by the the river Kamo, and then which um the which would eventually be uh, Yodo River, which connects to Osaka. Um, we always joke that the you know, Kyoto people are like Yosa flight in the the flying pan because it's so humid. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what makes the the plain area in the south of Kyoto is three rivers: Katsura River, which is you know, um, uh, which is connected to Arashiyama, very famous Arashiya, the sightseeing spots Arashiyama, and then Kamo River, which goes through Kyoto Basin through the city, and then uh, Uji River, which goes right from the Uji, and so the the Fushimi. Fushimi itself is a kind of a confluence point of three rivers. And so that makes a very kind of very, very vast marshland. So the water, basically, uh, which rains on the mountains would kind of trickle down the, the gravel, uh, sand gravel area to the, 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 at the foot of the Momoyama fields, which connects with the west, uh, Higashiyama, um, eastern mountains. And then, Water comes up, and there even was a lake called Lake Ogura. So the Fushimi, um, it doesn't go uh, too far to say that Fushimi was a lake before uh, historically, and or uh, it goes more to say Kyoto was a lake in a prehistorical era, uh, era but eventually the land elevated, and it made the mountains. And then, so it made a lot of the marshland and the alluvial farm, 
around the 10th century BC to the 3th century AD, um, the lot of the, the people from the Qin dynasty immigrated, immigrated to the, the area and made a settled down in the marshland. So you can say that the cradle of Fushimisake was made by those um, foreign or uh, Chinese or Korean, because you know um, the the people from Qin Dynasty uh, fled to the North Korea around Pyongyang and made Lilan um, Lilan area, and then came to Japan. So you can say that they are both Chinese and both Korean, right? Um, what the people from outside the area brought was like the sericulture, the, the, the culture of silk, the building technique, and the, the civil technique, like building the, the canals and the waterworks. And what's important for us is how to make koji. So it doesn't go too far to say that the technique which has been incubated in the early cradle of Shimi uh, brought the, the sake industry to, to flourish. So, so, yeah, I guess about that time, then you would start seeing more, I guess you could say, uh, like you're looking at what around Yayoi, right? So yeah, you're, starting right, right. Yayoi. See, you're, starting, you're starting to see more modern agricultural practices. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. They brought how to grow rice. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, so I think, you know, the, the main drive for the people who lived there in the prehistorical time, uh, for making it a kind of, you know, um, integrated area, and uh, would be the, the, the fact that the, it was really suitable for rice farming. So one um, evidence for that is, um, I think everyone knows Fushimi Inari Shrine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, mm-hmm. in Fushimi. Um, so uh, Fushimi Inari Shrine, it's said to be built by one of the Hataklan. Hataklan is the, someone who came from the Dirandira, the, the district of um um, the near North Korea, it go, doesn't go too far to say that the, the Fushimi Nari was built by Korean. It was actually, and uh, it is called Inari. Inari comes from the Ine and Naru. Um, so Ine is rice, and Naru is, you know, the harvest or, um, bear the fruit or something like that. And so Inari shrine, is dedicated for the rice cultivation or the rice harvest. So I think you can conclude that the Fushimi Inari Shrine was basically for the rice harvesting and the rice agriculture. So that was the key point to one of the key point to the the Hata clan. That actually that makes a lot of sense and that mm-hmm. really yeah. does serve as pretty clear evidence that it was a very prolific rice growing region. Oh, yeah, Actually, yeah, yeah. And then when you think about it, that would absolutely lead to that mm-hmm. be becoming yeah. the wealthy region with the resources mm-hmm. to develop the way it was. Yeah. Can I just interject, can I just add for our listeners that the Yayoi uh Jidai or Yayoi era that we keep referring to is considered to be uh probably one of the beginnings of uh sake uh production. 
probably about what 2000 years ago um so the fact that fushimi like you know you can trace this history this sake related or rice related history back to yoyoi you're basically tracing it back to the origins of sake mm-hmm. itself that's right excellent and i don't i don't want to i don't want to jump ahead uh too much but mm. one thing you did touch on that i'm curious about you talked about um bringing um skill with regards to the production of making koji mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. And that's something that seems at least historically very contested as to where that first began to be used oh, in, yes. regards there to, is a lot of in regards to yeah, sake yeah. production. Um, I'm curious, you know, in Kyoto, even if it wasn't for sake production, what were, what are kind of the early records and what are sort of the early references with regards to um, the use of koji in, in and around Fushimi? Mm, there was... Um... I, I'm, I'm not, rec- I don't recall the earliest mention yeah. of the Koji around Kyoto, but the historical fact is that in the Heian era, uh, Heian era which started around the, the late 8th century to the uh, to late 12th century, um, there was, uh, Sake making minister called Mikino Tsukasa in Kyoto, and there they made koji. Um, so th- we have uh, the kind of a confirmed record for that. But before that, we don't know actually. But so they say that you know the Hata clan, um, though there weren't any record, and uh, that they were making. Koji and there are debates on that. The making of koji were brought by the Hata clan and then and kind of installed into Japanese culture and then um, it came into the uh, the Heian era yeah, imperial Miki no Tsukasa to serve it as an offering to the deities, Shinto deities, and both for the imperial rituals. Okay, excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about everyone else here, but kind of my understanding was, and of course, I don't think you're, you're contradicting this, but I think koji making came in Japan a lot earlier, right? Oh, yeah, Around no, about that's the right, na- that's right, that's the right. Nara, yeah, that's the right, but before that, before that, I don't know even, about when it came to the, the koji making came into Fushimi. But the koji making itself goes back to the way back into Nara area, uh, Nara era. Excellent. All right. Sorry. I, yeah, I didn't mean to take us off on, on, a, on a tangent there, but I, I was curious. Oh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, and, and if that was very specifically tied to Kyoto no. in a way. That oh, was yes. Clear. And actually, you know, that, I was very curious. That would so be really no important. one knows, actually, you know, there are lots of, you know, the theories um, to say that. And so um, actually the... Uh, still we are to investigate on I think right, so then so with that context you know so in the background then with the IOE and sort of the development of that when does mm-hmm. how does then sake you you mentioned the Miki no Tsukasa mm-hmm. and sort of that um, becoming very um, significant mm-hmm. um, sort of when and how does um, sake production really develop in the region mm-hmm. how does how does it come to take hold in the way that we understand it today Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, no, actually, so there is not, uh, you know, a very specific, uh, writing on how Fushimi came into the sake production before we know the sake 
district in the six, uh, 15th century and 16th century. Um, and so that was um, before that. But um, what we know is that um, there was um, the Hata clan uh, who were skilled in making sake um, in Fushimi area. So um, the, the, they say that the, the Fushimi, uh, Fushimi Hata people must have helped um, making. They must have, have had the technique to make sake in the Miki no Tsukasa. Um, mm-hmm. so afterwards, like, I mean, the, the, in the Muromachi era, uh, era, there are, um, more than 300, um, brewery in Kyoto. Uh, some of it, some of it were Fushimi. We don't have the record, uh, but, um, we have the record inside Kyoto, uh, 340, I think, around. So, um, they had a kind of a, uh, the list for the, the sake, sake maker in Muromachi period, and some include the Fushimi, uh, breweries. Um, so we know that it was, um, kind of, you know, kind of a hub point for going into Kumano Shrine, um, from the Kyoto. Um, there were, um, there is a street called Senbondori in Kyoto. Um, which was the, the main, um, main street, which was called Suzaku, Suzaku Street, which was, uh, which is in Japanese name, um, the Red Phoenix Street. Um, so it led to, down to Fushimi, um, then, um, for the aristocratic people to, to pay a visit to the shrine in the Kumano, which is in the Wakayama prefecture. Um, so, um, there were kind of, you know, the shukuba or the, um, places for the people to gather, um, in Fushimi, um, as well. Before, before Fushimi became a um, um, hub for the for the water transport, um, so there should have been a sake making area um, near that shukuba, or the the inns provided sake uh, to the customers, and so they say that the Masuda Tokubezan the Masuda Tokube Brewery in the bar, which stands, um, very, um, on the, uh, on the roadside of the Toba Kaido, Toba, Toba Street. Um, they were prospering as the inn for the aristocrats and the merchant, and they served sake there. Before we have the secure record of how Fushimi has prospered in the 16th century and the 17th century, uh, 16th century and 17th century. And yeah, it's just for our listeners, those, those shukuba become really significant travel points where travelers, right, will be, will be stopped for basically areas that cater to those who are, who are mm-hmm. traveling. Oh, there yes, are long right, major right. travel routes where people can stay and gather and they provide a lot of services. So you get a lot of 
you tend to get a lot of services that built up around that to, to cater to those people. And uh, you, 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 and the name of the brewery you mentioned, a lot of people might know oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the name of the sake more than the name of the brewery, uh, Tsukino Katsura. Mm-hmm, that's yeah. right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Nigori Zake in particular. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so... so so that's before the the heyday of the the Fushimi as the sake district or the the water transportation hub. But there there surely have existed some of the uh, some of the uh, restaurant inns which served their own homemade sake. By homemade sake, you mean uh, doboroku? Uh, at the time, yes, I think, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, at okay. the time, yeah. So uh, I'm talking about like 15th century, 14th century, 15th century thing. So, you know, so. Okay. What is it about Fushimi in particular mm-hmm. that it became so, pro- when when did it become so prosperous mm-hmm. through sake? Well, what is kind of like the, okay. the key point? Okay, so the the first key point and uh, which made Fushimi uh, um, transportation hub or the very important town in history was the one of the uh, so there was a warring state period um, in the 16th century well almost whole century were dedicated for doing the civil war for the warlords Um, so and one of the lords um, became so powerful and his name was Toyotomi Hideyoshi so he selected Fushimi um, you know, to build a castle of himself, um, you know, maintain power there. So one reason is uh, because it was a transportational hub. One reason is it has a kind of a very high, uh, very luxurious and aristocratic image of the resort. And so first, it was just the uh, resort for retirement. He was reaching his uh, last days, and um, but um, he had a very late. Uh, he had a son, heir, uh, in his very late days, and so having a son made him more ambitious on gaining or kind of you know continuing to be in power as a family. So so he eventually switched into uh, switched his project to making a the imperial um, aristocratic villa into making it to a very strat- strategic um, castle to to have the grasp on the Kyoto and the Osaka. So one thing Hideyoshi did was to build a canal um, to um, just underneath the Fushimi castle. And the Fushimi castle stands on a hill. And so and what he did was to um um by make the bypass of the Uji River which runs uh which kind of joins into the three rivers and then making into an artificial canal to to carry all the goods from Kyoto to Osaka. Uh like you know be charcoal or the 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 weapons on the things. Um, so what he did was to build the water transport in the Fushimi, the uh, Fushimi city, and then then a kind of a set up a kind of a magistrate to to rule all the other daimyos around the country, 
And so he made the older daimyos who were subordinate to him live in the city. What um, the Hideyoshi did was to, to accumulate all the, his uh, subordinate to the Fushimi town and made him, made them live there and um, make it, make the town as a, very important transportation hub, um, both on the land transportation and the water transportation. So um, when I talked about the topography, I, I think I have explained that, uh, that there is uh, three elevations around Kyoto city and the rain goes, percolates into the, the basin and uh, they come up at the the foot of the Momoyama hills as a kind of a fountains. And so Fushimi is um, blessed with good water. So that's why it was named Fushimi. Fushimi names uh, land of affluent underground water. So that's what the, the sand gravel layer um, 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 of the Fushimi town holds. Uh, so if you, if you dig a well, uh, anywhere in the Fushimi, it's very easy to get a good uh, get get a good supply of water um, from the wow. underneath. Um, so so they were blessed with good water. The Fushimi was blessed with good water, and it was blessed with the the good transportation means, like both yep. land and by boat. Um, so that means you have a lot of people who wants to party. So, <laughs> so uh, why don't you make sake, right? So, so that was the reason. One of the reason that um, this the all of the inns, you know, inns and um, boat lenders, you know, um, boat boat businesses, uh, people yeah. uh, were very interested in making the sake of themselves. Some are very, very um, successful in making very tasty sake out of the wells and um, the, the rices. And so one of the, the very famous, the boat inns were Kasagiya, which led to today's Gekkeikan. I, I was thinking there's a brewery in my head that's got a history that talks about boat inns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. And so uh, actually the, the Kitagawa Honke-san uh, in Fushimi, which is very famous for its the brand Tomio, um, is also a boat inn. And there are a lot of boat, uh, boat uh, you know, the brewery, uh, Fushimi breweries, which originates back for uh, back as a uh, boat inn in the Horikawa, yeah. which is, you know, the, the canal that Hideyoshi made. So, uh, in a word, Hideyoshi made it possible, the infrastructure for the sake brewery to have their own basis. And of course, then sake provides tax. Ah, yeah, that's right. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. That's With very... rice being rice being a form of tax. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, some breweries were given the opportunity, of instead course, of paying their yes, tax yes. in rice, to brew sake instead oh, yes, and provide yes. that. So, so historically, uh, sake making sake or the alcoholic beverage is a very unprofitable business for the, the nation as well, right? What What is it about uh, Fushimi, Fushimi, you feel, that makes it so unique, that makes it stand out? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, where you put it alongside mm -hmm. Nada, the other oh, big yes, sake yes, maker. Yes, yes, um, So... Actually, so um, 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 first of all, I want to kind of, you know, 
uh, feel a little bit sorry about Fushimi, but Fushimi wasn't a big sake district until uh-huh. Meiji era, actually. They have faced a very hardship and uh, they were losing to what they have in Nada. So if you, if you look at Nada history, Nada had a very good, um, transportation point because, you know, um, if, um, after the Edo era, the capital was made in, uh, the, the, the financial district was, um, all in Edo. So the demand for good sake rose very significantly in the, the Edo era. Um, so the, the Nada was one of the major, uh, provider of sake to the great capital of Edo. Um, yeah. but being Fushimi in, inland, because, you know, the, the, the Nada is uh, around Nishinomiya. So Nishinomiya is near the, the Seto Inland Sea, right? Yeah. So they had, more advantage in carrying all the sake out to the, the, the Edo. But in Fushimi, of course, they prospered as a water hub. But actually, Fushimi, in history, Fushimi has once lost to Nada and actually Itami. Um, so they were kind of on a verge of disappearing from history, uh, just before Meijera. The Fushimi sake wasn't so cheap either. Um, they didn't have the repetition to be good either in the Edo period. And so, um, actually, there was a very severe competition between the Omi or the Shiga sake, which had a repetition of very cheap and tasty um, inside the, the Kyoto. And the Fushimi lost, actually. Uh, Fushimi didn't, uh, didn't have a chance, um, till Meiji era. So, so the record says that, uh, only because, uh, also there was a, um, end of the Edo era civil war, very severe one, which demanded out 90% of the Fushimi city. Um, Masada Tokubei-san was burned, everything was burned except for Kasagiya-san which was the Gekkei-kan. So only one survived. Only one brewery survived. After that, they rebuilt. And a lot of the sake makers from Kyoto City or the Higashiyama world moved into Fushimi. But um, and, uh, apparently, only two are the surviving uh, from the Edo period. Um, do, do we know how many breweries there were? Um, in um, in Fushimi at in the, at, the, at that time, I say before Itamisaki uh, took control of the Kyoto market. Okay. Um, just, just a sec. I I have a memo, and where was it? Um, the, about the number. Um, I saw a record oh, yeah, yeah. in 1657 there yeah. were 83, yeah, 83 yeah, 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 yeah. breweries in Fushimi. Oh, yes, so that's, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so in 1657 there were 83, but um, in, in 100 years it has diminished to one quarter of it. Um, so in 18... 1869, which is the the very first day of Meiji era, they had only 12 
So um, if you look at the if you look at the breweries, which uh, is continuing its business from 1755, as uh, 1715, I'm sorry, 1715, uh, from the middle of the Edo era, only two, are surviving. So then what happens then? Uh, once we get into Meiji that mm-hmm. that puts Fushimi back on the map. Oh, yes. So um, there was, a, you know, kind of a, uh, uh, who had recited Fushimi was a man called uh, Okura Tsunekichi, who was the 11th generation owner of the, the Kasagiya-san, or the Gekkeikan, was very, a very um, um, man with a, view i mean maui's philosophy and you know if we can see foresee the future very well and so the what what he did along with the lot of the people a lot of the people in the fushimi um fushimi brewery world as a team was basically three things the the one was um you know the, in that time, one was to, to, to ameliorate the, 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 get the quality of the, the fushimi sake better because it didn't have the good reputation. Um, so fushimi sake was thought to be, um, like mediocre. Um, so nada sake went down to Tokyo. Down to Tokyo, so it was kudaru sake. So in Jap in Japan, we say that kudaru sake is good, but if the if it stays within Kyoto Kyoto or the Kamigata, which is the the around Osaka, it it isn't it is doesn't go down to Edo. So it is kudaranai. So in the in the Japanese colloquial word, there is a word. You know, the kudaranai is something mediocre or the, uh, it doesn't have, we haven't much to say. And so, fushimi sake was kudaranai sake, kudaranai, um, very mediocre sake. But so, so the, what the tsunekichi san did was to, to, did was branding. Um, he, he kind of, um, invited the, the, the sake engineers and the scientists from the Imperial University, uh, Imperial Universities, um, around Japan to have the kind of a R&D project, project to, um, happen. So that, um, at the, at the same time, there was a national contest of sake started. And so, so the Fushimi, um, won a lot of prizes in the national contest so that it raised the repetition of um, the the fushimi sake as a whole. So that's one thing. Um, are we are we talking timeline wise? Are we talking like early nineteen hundreds? Yeah, now? early nineteen hundreds, um, okay. which which was the, the beginning of the Meiji era. Um, so eleventh. Uh, so what the eleventh owner, the Otsuka Tsunekichi, did was one was that build up an institute to you know uh, ameliorate the the 
the quality of the fushimi sake. One is that, you know, that, uh, one very good, a uh, very, um, 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 one very, um, what it, amazing or this, uh, the innovation, a great innovation that he had done was to, to abandon using, abandon the usage of salitaric acid. So the, the informal days, the, the sake, to avoid, to avoid, um, sake, uh, from rotting. And the people added salicylic acid to the sake. But they, um, they, uh, the, the kekekan or the otsukaki, uh, okura kitsunekichi, uh, tsunekichi okura was, um, eliminated that process by inventing the sake, uh, uh, the bottling the sake into glass bottles. Because the, um, when, um, before that, they put the sake, the made sake into the wooden casks, which would, uh, have the, the, the chance of ruining the sake by, um, the, by, Oxidation. oxidation oh both oxidation yeah. and um the the if you use the the wooden wooden barrel it would it would have a chance to be contaminated well, contaminated, contaminated by, by the bacteria well, microbes yeah. and so 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 what they what they did was to invent bottling um hmm. so so by bottling it, putting it, putting it in the sake in the clean, sterilized bottles, they could eliminate the, the using, usage of the salicylic acid. So that's one thing he did. And also the, 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 so salicylic acid and also the, the, they, he had renovation on the vessels that, as I said, and so that, um, so because, because he, they used the glass bottles, it was possible for them to carry a long distance so that the, the, the um, at the time, railroad system, the second was the railroad system. Uh, he, he used the railroad system, which has been, uh, been uh, newly invented into Kyoto and Fushimi. Um, so he started carrying the bottles in the, uh, carrying the bottles by the, the trains. And also he ha he was wise enough to, to invent, uh, one goal. Uh, 180 milliliter bottle with a cup for the, for the, the train, uh, travelers to enjoy sake with the obento. So the first ekiben, you know, you know the ekiben, right? Um, the ekiben is the packed lunch. Um, 
um, which is sold in uh, almost all the stations in Japan. And so that what the Okuratsu Nekichi did was to to uh, start selling the Wango Sake with a cup with the bento. And so that made the Gekikan so popular and made the name throughout the country. So if you if you check out the episode of uh uh Sake Future Summit, uh we did we had an interview with um Gekekan. They do oh, talk yes, about yes, that. Yes, and they yes, show yes, the yes. they show the, the bottles oh, as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so there's a very small bottle with a Small yeah. cup on, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that was a great innovation, you know. So, so that really um, enabled the people to drink it on on the road, and so that kind of you know, um, because they were possible to drink the sake on the road, they would want to bring back the big bottles home and drink it, and so. So that was kind of a revolution in the also in the marketing and the, and the distribution as well. So that that's one of the reason that the Gekkeikan and the Fushimi team, uh, Fushimi as a team, was successful in gaining the the consumers in the Meiji period. That makes sense. Making it making it an accessible beverage. Oh is, yeah, that's right. That's equally right. as important as making it as making a tasty beverage. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can't get it, no matter oh, how good it is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he was very, you know, kind of a, he he had a very he had foreseen this future. Very yeah. very innovative. Yeah, innovative. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that's what's the what made the 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 Fushimi. Uh, kind of a mega sake district. Yeah, excellent. And so then, you know, after that, you have obviously the impact of of the war uh-huh. and things of that. Yeah, nature. yeah, that's that, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Influenced, so... influenced a lot of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then how does that, could you kind of then kind of bring us up to today? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does, what what is Fushimi today? What sort of role does it play and how kind of how does that lead up to where that district sits today, mm-hmm. and how is it sort of viewed in the context of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the greater sake landscape? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think you know the Fushimi and Nada has a kind of you know um, very mega brewery scene, seen as a whole of the the mega brewery scene, which is one in one way a very um, you know solid uh, it stands on a very solid state one way it's seen as a kind of a conventional um, or um, uh, might be have a chance to be seen as a kind of you know the old man's drink or that kind of you know uh, it's kind of a bit outdated but um, I think you know the because they um, because the, the um the other Fushimi as a whole, you know, the, they have a very, two very um, um, uh, advantage in their spirit. One is that they are not, um, they are kind of um, 
some writer, and so that they are very um, they're different from Kyoto, Kyoto city itself, and so um, it was more innovative and more um, can adjust to the change of the 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 current. Um, business. Um, so, um, so the one is that, and also, Fushimi as a whole is kind of, you know, has a very team spirit as a whole, because in the, the Meiji, Meiji era, they were uh, all helping each other to build up a reputation. And so, um, I think, um, also, um, in the, modern age, they are kind of taking advantages on the, the image of uh, the Kyoto image because the Kyoto is enjoying the, the image of being the, the, the very traditional capital and the food capital, which is, you know, uh, people would come into Kyoto to enjoy the Kyoto cuisine because, you know, the, the, they have, you know, because, um, there are a lot of kaiseki traditional, very ex exquisite cuisine. Um, so fushimi sake is something would go very well with the traditional, um, sake. Uh, traditional cuisine as well. So I think, you know, Fushimi had a chance to prosper again as, uh, um, uh, although it is a little bit, you know, on the decline as the whole sake world are, you know, uh, um, suffering, but I think they, the Fushimi can survive and go up again. There is this um, traditional saying about uh, Fushimi sake. Uh, Fushimi sake is feminine sake, nada sake oh, yes, is yes, masculine yes, yes, sake. Yes, 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 yes. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, the, because the water is very soft, um, the, the softness of the... Um, it is, I think, you know, one-third of the, the hardness or as compared to the, the, the nada sake. Um, because the, the, the Fushimi water is very less in gas, calcium and magnesium, that it would, the fermentation would go soft so that the taste would be feminine. So, though we call it Fushimi as a feminine, very soft, elegant sake, which goes with, it goes very well with the Kyoto Kaiseki cuisine or the Kyoto traditional cuisine. Um, so, it helps to promote the fushimi sake as the, you know, as a set with the, the traditional culinary uh, image. And so I'm curious. And so then uh, fushimi today, how, what is that, re about how many breweries are there now that are active? And what is that relationship like between those breweries? You mm -hmm. mentioned it being a very mm -hmm. collaborative area historically. Mm -hmm. Uh, people coming together. Is that something that still exists? Are mm -hmm. breweries generally cooperative, collaborative? Are there shared efforts to try to... Yeah, yeah, that, that's the, that's the point of the controversy, right? And, Actually, and, yeah. Um, so, um, what, um, the, there are um, 47 uh, registered, registered brewery, but there are, there are like 23 active. 
Um, so, okay. oh, um, wow. so, but uh, one of the things that I see is that like the 17 of them collaborating in the Fushimi Sakagura Koji, which is a kind of a, uh, kind of a um, shopping mall too, you know, um, um, in, in the, the Otesuji shopping arcade, there is a kind of a, uh, place to showcase the sake. Um, uh, as a restaurant, I, I was going to talk about it afterwards, but um, I think you know that uh, there are seventeen breweries um, to participate in that uh, to in order to rate you know to get people know about Fushimi Sake, and also there is a kind of a, a sake festival who goes uh, you know in March to you know to promote the area. Um, so they are kind of collaborating in the, the sake period. And also they have the, not all of the breweries, but they, they have the, the opportunity to go into Kyoto city itself and to promote their sake. And so, um, I think they are, you know, collaborating, um, to promote the, the, the significance of Fushimi as well. And that, that actually, that kind of leads in perfectly to some of the other things I wanted to talk about. You mentioned you wanted to talk about that sort of that dining experience and sort of oh, how yes, those breweries yes, yes, yes. are working together. <laughs> um, we're, we're running a little short on time, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but if you would tell us a little bit about what is the Fushimi experience like now as someone living there or as a traveler going to visit, mm -hmm. um, what is that experience like? What is available to you? What is, Oh yes. What mm -hmm. is, what do you, what do you recommend to people, okay. whether it be, you know, how, how, how they could or should spend their time. Okay. What is that experience? Okay. Like? If you are first, uh, if you, vi uh, it's, if it's the first time you visit Fushimi, I definitely would recommend to visit Kekekan Okura Museum, um, which is nearby the, the canal, which were we are talking about. Um, so it was a kind of, you know, facility, um, which was, um, uh, um, uh, which was the former, uh, Machia building, which have served as a factory for bottling, you know, the bottling the sake, um, in the Gekkeika, in the early Meiji era. And they have a very good, like, um, 2000 artifact I've had done of the old sake, old sake instruments. And they show you how to make sake in the olden days and um, how Gekekan or the Kasagiya came into place. And so you, it would help um, you understand the, um, how how the sake is made formally, um, traditionally, and also and uh, how Gekekan um, were, uh, Gekekan or the Fushimi would become a uh, very powerful sake district. And also after coming out of the, the, ex, um, the, the museum, there is a tasting point, uh, you know, tasting bar. Uh, so you can taste it uh, within the, the admission fee three, I think, three sake. So, you know, it is a great chance for you to both enjoy the culture and the history and know about the history and uh, enjoy a little bit about sake. 
Last time I spoke to Get Cake Hand, they said they were renovating the museum, so it might actually be an even bigger and better experience. I think so. Um, I think when you can go and visit. Yeah, as far as I know, it has uh, the renovation has been done in December or something like that, wasn't it? Oh, that yeah, makes yeah, sense. So, yeah, so, yeah, he said it was. Yeah, yeah. Kind of so, soon. so they are making it, you know, very more. I haven't visited okay. it, it visited it yet, uh, the new one, uh, but I think yeah. I'm sure that they would provide a more, you know, uh, illuminating picture of the the sake, both sake making and the fushimi history. And so, one is Kekekaokura Museum. If you're first, uh, if you, if it's the first time for you to visit, and also. Um, there is a Jukkokubune boat group, boat, boat cruise. So, um, I've, as I said, that the Fushimi was a water transportation hub. Um, there is a kind of a cruise experience to kind of, you know, re-experience the, the Edo era transportation in a flat boat. And it is like one hour cruise, um, to enjoy. The scenery of the Fushimi port, and uh, the, the, there would be uh, kind of uh, beautiful cherry blossoms and the, the the maple trees around in the 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 uh, the in spring springtime and the autumn time, and also they uh, let us hear the sake making songs. Sakezukuri uh, on the boat, mm. so that you know that would kind of remind you that you know the the great past they have experienced. So, I think you know if if it's if it's in the uh, springtime and the autumn time, it's good. It's closed in winter, so it it you can't go. But you know if it's if it's if you are visiting there in the spring spring summer and autumn time, it's a great option to take. So what else? Oh, yeah. What about water? Uh, um, the water, and there is um, uh, if you were, if you were looking for good water, and you know, if you are very into you know searching for what water makes the good sake, and there is a, a kind of a you can make a tour around the famous fountains in Fushimi. So there are several, but uh, the most easy to access is the the Chokenji, the Chokenji Shrine, uh, Chokenji Temple, very near the uh, the the starting point of the the Jukokubune boat cruise. Um you can drink, you know, the soft water coming out from the fountain in the temple. So the temple is dedicated for the the deity of music, and so if you are into like you know the music performers or that kind of thing, you can make a wish that you will be successful. Um, so Chokenji, um, it is called Akamizu. The fountain is called Akamizu. It's not from red. Akami is the means the the Buddhist offering. So the water for Buddhist offering. And also, if you go to um, Kekeikan, you can enjoy the, the water spring as well. In the inside, just inside the Kekeikan Okura Museum, you can enjoy the, the, the enjoy drinking the, the water used for sake making as well. And 
actually, uh, I, I would even go as far as saying you should enjoy. The, oh yes, yes. The oh yes, water, yes, yes. Especially before before tasting oh, yes, the sake. Oh yes, definitely. It has a good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, so you can enjoy the the water inside the Gekigaokura Museum, and also um, uh, there is another big mega brewery called Kizakura, and they have a big restaurant called Kizakura Kappa Country. And inside the Kizakura Kappa country, they have the fountain called Fushimizu. It's the same name as the, the Fushimi water. Um, also, you can drink it, drink the water there. And also, um, near the, the brewery owned yakitori restaurant called Torisei, they have the water called Shiragiku Sui. So you can, you can make a tour. Um, um, the inner, you know, um, the, the high season, uh, they, uh, the, uh, tourist office, tourism, uh, tourist office would offer a kind of a, you know, stamp rally, st- stamp rally. Um, which yeah. shows the you go yeah, around, go around the stamps, stamps yeah. Yeah. for the the best water wells in Fushimi. So you can you know you can see that and you can have a stamp there, and you know you can kind of you know collect the experience. Okay, got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 it is one thing that's very important. You know, is that to enjoy the softness and the elegance of the water spring itself. So, so that's the the sightseeing spot, right? Excellent, Ayako-san. Yeah. Thank you. I so said we're starting to run a little low on oh, time here, so, so just sorry. to kind of wrap. So just to kind of wrap things up. Yep, yep. Um, what do you feel like then are the contributions that Fushimi has made to sake in a way that it is tangible for people today? What sort of what have they brought that that people who love sake that enjoy sake? Mm-hmm. How can or who are experiencing sake, where can they feel the effect or impact of Fushimi today? Mm-hmm. And what are you looking forward to out of the region going forward? Um, so the, the most strong point of the Fushimi is that, of course, it's water. Then, um, I think you can know about how the Fushimi people made use of this um, very great water uh, to make this kind of exquisite, um, beautiful sake, and so that you can enjoy um, the wisdom food in the Fushimi region. Um, so historically, they were prospering, um, prospering through the history and then experienced the hardship, but kind of, you know, like a phoenix, it has risen to the top. I think, you know, if you go to Fushimi, um, if you look at Fushimi as a, um, one of the, you know, you can, you might feel that it is a kind of, you know, um, ordinary town, but it is actually not. You can enjoy the very beautiful scenery of the, the machia, um, the, 
and、uh, canal, and along with the beautiful sake and tasting spots. Um, so I think you know you would um you would be enjoy, uh you you be able to enjoy the kind of a real sake district in Japan. It's a kind of a you know um kind of a iconic. Iconic、um, area that would show the kind of heart of the sake enjoying culture. I think the fushimi is like that, and in this direction, I think the fushimi would、um, have would be enjoying this the more height in the the as a sake district as a whole. Um, because um,、uh, both it is、uh, very traditional and it is um、uh, at the same time it is kind of renovating in、uh, the way that they have been doing always. So I think you know um along with if if, if you were to, if I was to give you like a a bottle of sake or or a sake and like could you pinpoint parts of their sake characteristics and say this this is because of fushimi or this has come from fushimi or something like that if you were to hand someone a bottle of sake、mm -hmm. um maybe from fushimi or from somewhere else in japan、mm -hmm. like how many characteristics in that sake do you think you could connect to fushimi and are there any、uh, you can think of、mm, i think you know the If you take fushimi sake, I think first first thing you would feel is the kind of you know kind of a、um, round mouth feel,、uh, which comes from the minerality of the sake.、Um, so I think you know if you are taking like jumagi daiginjo or jumaginjo of the fushimi,、um, I think you would feel the kind of a roundness and the、um, the the you know. The balanced, balanced, well balanced um, uh, minerality, uh, which I would call the characteristic of the fushimi. Like take soku for instance, for soku or the aikun or、yeah. the the tomiyo as an instance, and I think you would feel that it would be、uh, matching the. The quality, and I also I um I have come up to the the most、um, impressive point in my you know own experience that if I taste sake, I mean fushimi sake with the kombu dashi taken from the the same water. In fushimi, there is a kind of a、uh, kelp shop, which、uh, uh, kombu kelp shop, which serves the 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 Japanese Japanese traditional otsumami, the the snacks,、um, which uses affluent stocks of of the dashi stock.、Um, so, if you drink that fushimi sake with the kombu dashi, which is taken from the the same Same water, you would feel that how it shares the same well balancedness with the sake. That sounds lovely. That sounds like exactly what I need right now. <laughs> I'm now motivated to go. Oh and, yes, yes.、Uh, yeah, and Okobu, it is called the shop is called Okobu Kitase, and it's very near from the 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 Chushojima Station. So it's a very you know like a hop. From the the ticket wickets, and so you know you can enjoy sake and dashi. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. Michael san Thank you so thank much you. for taking time out of your evening to come no, and join no, us and no. share your, your knowledge and your passion <laughs> with us. It, for me personally, I said Fushimi is an, a region that I hear a lot mm-hmm. about, but I have yet, for some reason or another, you hear the name mm-hmm. a lot, but I don't always get a a solid oh, yes, concentration yes, yes. Of, of really good information. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually incredibly uh, insightful and informative and I, I, I'm sure oh, our thank listeners you so are much. very much going to appreciate. Um, Hope I have you, uh, been able to explain, <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. Oh, that was wonderful, and I'm very intrigued by the idea of Koji Wars. Yeah. So we'll be we'll we'll, we'll talk to oh, you again yes, yes. In the, um, later in the year. Oh, yes, we'll, yes. It sounds like we've got plenty more oh, to dig into. Yeah, as yeah. Well. Thank you so much. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. And Chris, Sebastian, thank you so much this evening um, or morning in the case of Sebastian. Um, That is one more episode of Sake on Air. If you have any questions for us, feel free to get in touch with us at questions at sakeonair.com. You can follow us at at sakeonair on your favorite or most used social media platform, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And we have everything from the summit is now from the Sake Future Summit 2020 is now available on our YouTube channel. So if you want to go and check on that, there's about 30 hours of content all stuffed into a playlist there uh, that you can check out. And we will keep going. This is how we are starting off. This is our first recording of 2021. Uh, I'd like to think this is a pretty solid start. So we're looking forward to another year ahead uh, with the team here and all of our listeners. So uh, stick with us here and we'll keep uh, compiling along with you. And thanks again. That will make it one more episode of Sake on Air brought to you by the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association. And broadcast in spirit from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center in the heart of Tokyo. Sake on Air is a co-production between Export Japan and Posuke Productions. And we will be back with you in another couple weeks. Kanpai, ladies and gentlemen. We'll, we'll see you soon. Kanpai. <laughs>